Hey everyone, welcome back to Tales of Recovery. This is Gris Alves, I'm your host, and today's guest is my beautiful friend, badass, Nikki Velch, Earth Ass Healing on Instagram. And Nikki and I met maybe a couple of years ago at, at a farm, at an elder farm, in this amazing gathering for, um, for our friend Sarah's birthday. And out of everybody that was there during, I just really connected with you. Remember, we talked for hours, just really cool. And following Nikki and her lifestyle, which is something that I would like to do. Uh, connecting to Earth, living out in nature. I asked Nikki to come on as a guest and tell us about how she's doing this and how you can you know, let us all know what it takes how it heals your body and how we can honor earth better. Nikki is an earth intimacy facilitator, also an Ayurveda educator, natural builder. And we, well, you can tell us a little bit more about that, but thank you. We've been tracking each other down for like two years. We finally are here recording this podcast. So welcome everyone and welcome Nikki. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, like you said, it's been a journey to get to this moment and just trusting divine timing. Of coming right. Here. Yeah. You were in San Diego. I was going to go out to your, um, where were you living? You were living in a, in like an adobe cabin up in the mountains here in Palomar Mountain. Uh, oh. In like Elsinore. Yeah. So I lived at a retreat center that had um, multiple cob houses um, where I was doing a work, living work trade there on this beautiful property. Cob houses? Cob houses, yeah. So that is just using clay, sand, and straw for building techniques. And, um, you know, we can weave this in as we as we chat, but really just my, my life purpose or dharma right now is really navigating all aspects of my life that I can do in a non-toxic, most natural, harmonious way with nature mm. and really challenge myself with all ways that I live, you know, and that includes the house that we live in, you know, I, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just looking at new ways to, to live. Yeah. So for all, everyone who doesn't know, I mean, Nikki grows around food. She creates these spaces uh, that are in tune with nature. And I want to ask you, okay, how did this all get started? Like, where are you from? How did this happen? How did you get to this place? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so um, I'm originally from Minnesota, mm-hmm. and I'm so blessed with two parents that really just, you know, I just like, I feel bubbles in my in my whole being when I think about my childhood, because I had my parents just, you know, let me and my sister outside and we're like, go play, like, don't come in until dinner, I'll bring your lunch out. <laughs> um, you know, and, and my sister and I used to go camp in the cornfield in the backyard and Um, My parents are landscapers and snow removal, you know, that's what they've done for their life. So most of my life has been outside, like as kids for fun, my dad plows snow and he used to just plow all the snow from the driveway and make a mound. And he'd be like, go ahead, kids play with that, you know? And so I was just really raised in an environment that uh, supported my exploration of imagination and using my hands and um also just knowing or trying learning what hard work is right you know my parents are landscapers so my whole life has been really 
hard labor's work that's been the foundation of of how I show up in this world, you know, because it is hard work. Life is hard work. (laughs) And there's also significant lessons. So that's kind of just always been woven in my life. That's great. I mean, it's so different than city kids where, you know, I mean, I wasn't out in, well, actually I was a lot. My grandparents did have a farm. And so we were out like every weekend at the farm. But um, even now it's just more, here's your phone, here's a TV, here's everything structured, here's a soccer game. That's about the only garage you're going to see all week. And depending on where you live, but yeah, allowing, having that experience to just explore and have not these helicopter parents trying to monitor every move you make, being out in the open is, is a very, it's a rich experience. So I'm guessing maybe that's why you have freedom to explore the life you're living now, or that's where it started from. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, you know, the the big shift for me, which I think a lot of people have this was like seven or eight years ago or however long ago it was now, but I did my yoga teacher training and, you know, that, that kickstarted an awakening in me of just questioning what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I really think I took my own course of what it means to live in harmony with the earth when I moved out to San Diego six years ago or whatever it is now um and and farming was my my in you know I was like I want to learn how to farm all year and anyone who's farmed you know even if it's gardening or full-time farmer like the plants and the soil is my greatest teacher like I will forever you know devote my life to the plants and the soil because you know that was the education that I felt like I never received in school Right. When I farmed, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't tell you where the food comes. I mean, maybe a little bit, but not really. Mm-hmm. Not not the way it would make, you know, the earth and our humanity a lot better. More mm-hmm. understanding, more comprehension about where our sustenance comes from and what we really need for ourselves, for our bodies, and for keeping this earth alive. So did you do farming? So you came to San Diego and started working as, as a farmer or how did you even get here? Yeah, yeah, good question. <laughs> so yeah, so I I got the the hit to move and I remember it was like I got the the download like it's time to make a big move. And I didn't know if it was gonna be Northern California, Oregon or San Diego, you know, whatever it was. And I remember I, it was like a two week decision that my bags were packed and my mom was like, I'm coming with you. Like, I'm going to come out. I'm like, mom, I don't know if I'm going Northern California or Southern California. She's like, I don't care. I'm just coming, you know, I'm coming with you. And I was like, all right. And I finally made the choice. And I think it was honestly like moments before we left that I was like, I'm going to go to San Diego and just start at the bottom. And if I don't, you know, if something doesn't resonate, I'll just drive up and continue. And so my mom tagged along, which is just like one of my biggest supporters and teachers in my life. Mm-hmm. And um, how old were you when you came down? I was 60, like 22, maybe 23. Okay. Cool. Cool. Um, but yeah, so I actually started working at this organic uh, juice shop that was so to the T with like, so aligned with me, you know, they, they source locally and just to the T everything, glass bottles, like, Mm-hmm. everything was so beautiful and I ma- managed the farmers markets 
for them for a year. And, you know, the farmer's market slowly led into, I was, I was biking around where I was living and I saw this farm and I was like, I need to, I need to be there, you know, and I was just biking by. And so I remember calling them and it, it, long story short, I got the job at the farm. And so I slowly transitioned from the farmer's market managing position and started farming by the grace of God, really, because I was like, I don't, you know, I grew up driving a bobcat and a gator and with my hands in the soil, but I've never farmed full time. You know, I just really humbled myself in that. Um, yeah, the farming was was there and that and that ultimately led me to the eco village project that we originally had met where I was living there out of the tent. So, yeah, farmers market manager, farming and then the eco village project. Who started the eco? Can you tell us about the eco village project? Where it is? What does it do? Who started it? How it works? Yeah. So, my dear brother uh, Joshua Elvard, who's based in San Diego, has really, in my eyes, just devoted his his life. His passion is just to bring people together to explore different ways of living. And you know, there's a whole we could, that could be a whole podcast. But he started <laughs> this this nonprofit called Local Earth, and you can find it. I think it's just localearth.org. Um, and he, you know, put together this phase one project of an eco village, you know, the, the greater vision for him was 120 person eco village. Of course, these are all like numerology that's been researched, you know, but phase one was 12 people test group. Mm -hmm. And so I was part of the phase one test group, which was a two year testing period of what it, what it takes to, you know, land on a piece of property with no infrastructure and start a community. Like, what does that actually look like an intentional community? And so um, I was the one person that came in six months after they started the phase. Um, but yeah, it was pretty much, you know, we had seven of us, I think, and three kids that all lived out of our own little structure. You know, there was a teepee, there was a trailer, different kinds of trailer, a tiny house, and I was out of a camping tent. And um, yeah, we, we all did the thing for, you know, I was there for a year and a half and, and explored what that meant. Did they have a, like, did they have a well for water? Were you guys growing your own food or was it? So we had a garden, but I wouldn't say that we were off grid by any means, because we were still mm -hmm. hooked up to the city water. Okay. Um, you know, yeah, I wouldn't say it was off grid. It was definitely at that phase of my life, the most off grid I've lived. Mm -hmm. Now that I truly live off grid, I'm like, oh, okay, 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 okay. Um, but yeah, we were still hooked up to water and stuff, but we had solar panels, you know, we were putting stuff in place as we were cultivating an experience together. So in the eco village, does it mean you guys would share meals? I mean, I'm, I'm so curious because this is kind of what, I, what I'm dreaming about my next five to seven year plan is to have this big land where I can have like an eco village where everyone has their own space, but also there's like the middle shala where you can come and join everybody for meals or yoga or a ceremony or just party, whatever. Um, so I'm curious to know, like, did you guys practice that or everybody was on their own and just came home after work? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, you know, we went through many variations of, you know, trying to incorporate and integrate ourselves as much as possible as a village and also realizing that we're in the modern world, we're all working, we're traveling, you know, so trying to do our best with that. Um, 
but yeah, we, we shared dinner every Tuesday. You know, we did a heart share circle every, every week, you know, where mm. we just did a two minute share what's alive for us. If we had any tension with anyone, you know, and, and every couple months we would do a, a, a long heart share around the fire and we would just be real and raw with each other of what's going on. Um, the challenges and the celebrations and all the things. Um, yeah, and primarily it was, you know, building a space for us to all, like a co-working little library space for us to hang. And we put up some geodesic domes on the property and started having some events to support some of our projects and Joshua's nonprofit. Um, yeah, you know, one one thing I really love to to share about eco village or going back to the land, you know, living in community is it's really a journey of the heart. Like you really, when you say yes to living on the land in the eco village with the people, like you're saying yes to doing work with whoever you're living with, like deep, deep work um, that everyone has to be willing to show up and be witnessed in their work. And that's something that I didn't fully comprehend, um, you know, upon being like, hell yeah, I'm going back to the land doing the thing. you know, during and afterwards, I was like, holy shit, you know, I'd, I didn't know that I'd have to be witnessed in all my work and also witness others in all their work. And that was just, yeah, living in community is so profound. And especially out in the elements, you know, there's just so much more that comes with that too. Yeah, because right here in the city, we're so like, you go home and you lock yourself in and then you, you don't see anyone for three, three days, you're fine. And you just avoid it. Mm-hmm. Oh, whatever, I'll deal with that annoying person or this situation later. Time goes by, passive aggressive, no. So being in community where you really aren't going to go anywhere with that commitment, I can see why that would be work in the heart. But also, like, I mean, if we're not doing that, we're just wasting time. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a choice. Like every day I have to remind myself that I'm choosing to evolve. Yes. You know, if, if shit keeps happening in my life and I'm like, why is this happening? Why do I keep coming up against these barriers? Why do I keep feeling lost? You know, why am I continuing? Like, why am I still asking myself what I'm doing with my life? You know, it's, mm-hmm. and I have to remind myself that I'm choosing to evolve. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm choosing to grow and that growing is, is always changing. So it's, it's humbling to remind myself that I'm, I've chosen this lifestyle and I, I wish to continue to choose this lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so courageous. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. It, it's a beautiful example. And especially, I mean, you got to wonder, like, even though, you know, you might be out thinking, why am I doing this? Why is this situation so intense? It's intense anyway. Everybody over here in the city has anxiety and stress and getting wasted every day. So it doesn't matter. It's just what intensity are you going to choose something that's healing your nervous system, honoring earth, evolving I, what I believe to be where we all need to go, at least integrate, because otherwise, who knows what's going to happen 50, 100, 150 years to our, to our mother. So yeah, and I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, I think I get this from my mom and dad for sure of like that go getter mentality of just, you know, as soon as the opportunity came across my, 
my journey to be part of this eco village, you know, I was all in, I'm like, oh, hell yeah, I'm going to build myself a tiny house. You know, I was just like making all these plans for myself. And of course, probably 90% of that didn't work out for me. Um, but it, it, it was that, you know, there's this resiliency that gets built when we really go for it, when we really listen to our soul and our spirit of what we're being called to it it challenges us, you know, and that's why it's there. That's why the call's there. And also just really builds character so deeply. And I'm guessing, and I like to ask this question because for our listeners and for anybody, for me as well, I'm assuming during this time you're practicing meditation, you're practicing yoga, you're out there. For me, a meditation is really putting your hands on the ground and growing your food, right? Mm -hmm. So how do these practices help you in building that resiliency? Mm, such a great question. Um, yeah, you know, there were so many times where I was like using all the tools in my toolbox, you know, and I think we've all, maybe not all of us, but, you know, been to that point where it's just like, I'm using my breath, you know, I'm using all these tools and knowledge, you know, and it's still challenging. And that's, you know, we still have to come up with new tools. We have to fix our tools, reinvent our tools, get new mm. tools to do the projects that we're now working on. You know, that we can't have one tool that works for life. Right. Um, and yeah, you know, I've, I've developed and deepened so much of my practices during that time. And also it just really um, faced, faced myself with talking about, um, you know, doing meditation every day or whatever it is but actually having to do that every day, like there was almost no choice in certain parts because I was just so broken wide open that I had no other choice but to cry and put my hands in the soil and pray and breathe. You know, mm -hmm. like there's just moments where we don't have a choice yeah. and yet we're still making a choice within not having a choice to be there and stay. Please stay. Mm -hmm. Please stay. <laughs> That's one of my mantras. I just tell myself, please stay. Yeah. Don't abandon your grief. Just get back in. Yeah. Stay with the sorrow. Stay with whatever's happening. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you stay in the eco village for how long before so you? I was at the eco village for a year and a half. And, um, you know, at that, at the end of it, and I think many of us were feeling similar things, but I remember leaving the eco village and, you know, there's so much that wraps up in that whole experience, but leaving there. And I was like, Whoa, that was a trip. You know, my car is packed and I'm like, <laughs> out. I was like, Oh my God, like, what was that? What was that choice? <laughs> and so grateful. It's like one of my most profound experiences. And I also remember leaving and being like, I don't think I would do that, that one again in that mm -hmm. way, mm -hmm. you know? And, um, or just felt like very particular. If, if I did, I felt like I had a list of my for sure's and my for sure nots, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, it's so funny leaving that experience and being like, you know what, maybe I do want a, a real house with four walls. And, you know, I was like re-questioning the things I've kind of like, I don't need this. I don't need the phone. I don't need service. All I need is the earth and outside. And I'm like, shit, maybe I do need a bathtub, you know? <laughs> Um, and so it's so funny to like leave that property and be like, holy shit, that was raw and intense. And then find myself 
now, you know, I just moved up from Southern California to Northern California out uh, in a tiny cabin, completely off grid on 140 acres wow. out there, you know, and, and this was a, a call from just call from the universe and spirit of, you know, I didn't really in my mind, I was like, I'm ready to get back into community. I was like, maybe I'll even live in this city and integrate what I know now into the city world. Um, but something just pulled me, pulled me right back to be out in the wilderness again. And so the evolution of that has been amazing to witness, really. But so from the eco village, you went out to Monsita or you were the first at the, at yeah. the, because before you got there, you were at those houses, right? The adobe houses we're talking about? Yes. So yeah, thank you. Um, so after I left the eco village, um, it was actually right when the quarantine started and my plan, I had my car packed. I was like, I'm just going to head up north, see what land feels good and drop myself somewhere. Um, but it wasn't the right time, you know? And so I actually headed, I went back to Minnesota for probably five or six months and stayed with my parents and hung out with my sister and my nieces and nephew. And then from there, I went, came back to the West Coast. Southern California just always calls you back. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's yeah, so from sunny. There, yes, so sunny. So yeah, from there I went to stayed at this retreat center and I was doing a lot of natural building work. And I think I was actually there for five, maybe even six months too, the time flies. Um, so yeah, from from that place is when I moved up to where I am right now up in Northern California. I followed you on that trip back to Minnesota. Um, those pictures were amazing. Yeah. I'm like, wow, she's camping by herself just off the grid. Like we're always looking for campgrounds. I just want to do that. Like, I mean, I've done that before, but now you have kids and it's a pain in the Not the kids, but like, I don't know. It's complicated. Or maybe yeah. I just make it complicated. But watching you doing that and getting up there, and then you grew like all this food at your parents' house, right? Yeah, at least I, I followed I, some of your yeah. journey there. I low-key started a small farm. My, my parents are, you know, my dad has all the toys. He has the bobcats and my mom's just a, a badass. You two would really, really drive together for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember one day I was like at the dining room table and my dad and I were talking and I was like, it's something along the lines of like, how long are you staying? You know, blah, blah. They know that I'm like a mover and groover. So they're like, how long are you staying? And I was like, you know, if I could grow some food here, then I think that I would stay a little bit longer. And and it was less than 24 hours, I kid you not. My I woke up and my dad was outside with the bobcat scraping up the grass, you yes. know? And, and I remember him just like, how big do you want it? <laughs> Dude, what is happening? And it was, it was amazing. Cause it was me, my mom, my sister, and my dad who just banged this, you know, it was like 30 by 40 foot mini farm and just grew a bunch of food you know my sister and my mom made zucchini bread all summer and my mom and my sister and I canned and it just called it you know it was a reminder of like the food just brings everyone together and creates the experience you know I didn't I didn't have to do anything then other than just put the seeds in the ground and it cultivated a plethora of experiences right and mm -hmm. like you know there was so much for me there of like going back to the land that I grew up on and 
And, you know, I think when I moved to California, it's like, I want like plants everywhere. You know, I want to be surrounded by people who are like-minded and with the earth and blah, blah. And when I got back to my parents' property, it was like, there was medicine everywhere. You know, the pollen was coming from the pine trees. There was violet leaves in my mom's garden and, you know, burdock root and dandelion root. I was like out in all the, the yard, digging all those up and making tinctures. And I was like, how did I not see this before? Mm. And it just, you know, I think we leave. It's like, well, coming back to like the stay, like, please stay. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've been a, a runner in my life when things get complicated and have not stayed, you know, and, and I think Minnesota, part of that, you know, I, I didn't stay in Minnesota and that leaving, I should say the coming back, it, it widened my aperture of what I thought I didn't have, but was actually right in front of me right. the whole time you know? And so, yeah. But I guess, you know, that's how life works, right? You leave, you have experiences, you come back. Oh, oh, this was here all along. But now I have a deeper appreciation for it Mm -hmm. or a different perspective of it. Yeah. Right. It's good to go and fly and land back again and be like, yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and also to be able to, you know, what, what a big edge for me was to go to live with my parents, let alone that, you know, after years of living by myself, but stay, stay there and to, you know, still be myself around my parents, which, you know, we're, we've always had a really close connection and I don't necessarily go outside naked and bang the drum in the front yard like I do with my girlfriend. <laughs> Go, you know, like there's certain things that I like for the sake of my mother and father, I don't do all the time around them. But, you know, to be able to kind of test myself of how can I show up fully as I am and not conform to what I think my parents want to see or whatever it is, you know, and which was so beautiful because really my my dharma, I feel like is wherever I am, whatever land I'm I'm on, I tend it. I love it wherever I am, you know, and it just doesn't really matter where I am. It's just whatever land offer it love. And, you know, what a blessing to come back to the land that I grew up on. And, you know, there was multiple moments. There was one in particular that I'm remembering of, I did, you know, I I woke up and I had this, I cried for hours about the water, you know, something that was triggered in me about just the cleanliness of the water and all this stuff. And, it was a full day in ceremony that I, I spent of just something inside of me was guiding me, like go fill up a bowl of water, go gather flowers. And it was just kind of like I was being directed all day. And I, I created this mandala, flower mandala around this tree. And I had this bowl of water and I cried and prayed to this tree all day. And it was, it was a lot because I was like, you know, inside of me, I'm like, oh, are my parents going to come up and be like, what is she doing? Or like, you know, and, and I just tried to really let myself like be fully in it. And, you know, my, I remember later that night, my dad was mowing the lawn and he, he came up to me and he was just like, what do you got going on by the tree? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, he's like, what's the bowl of water and flowers? And, you know, and, and there's just so much to unpack of the way I do things and why I do things that it almost doesn't matter to explain to people. It's just, um, I've, you know, I've tried to explain and not that my dad wouldn't get me, like he totally understands me, but 
in that moment, I realized it's not about me explaining why I do the things I do. It's mm-hmm. just people witnessing me do the things that I do. Yeah. And I have to trust that that's enough. You know, like I, it's been a, a journey of not trying to prove myself to anyone, but just be myself and passively witness how that affects people and how that impacts people. Yeah. I mean, it's impacted me. Hmm. It's just beautiful. And I, I love that you don't have to give explanations, mm-hmm. um, in particular to the parents. And it, I think most parents just love us anyway, but, but yeah, that need as a child to be like seen or understood or, or, you know, getting that approval and you would like bypass that and just follow your own, stay with your heart and do your thing is, mm-hmm. man, that's just, I think that's really where liberation begins. You're honoring yourself, honoring others. Um, so what happened with the prayer? Hmm. Um, you know, that's, that's, a, that's such a great question. And I think that I will never know what happened to that prayer hmm. because I prayed to that water and, you know, afterwards I dumped it on the tree and I, I imagined the tree bringing that water down all the way, you know, and there's so much that, um, is done in prayer and in healing that we actually don't get to see, feel, yeah. or know. And um, that's the hard part about this work that I know that you're doing too, is that we don't always get affirmed that what we're doing is heard, felt, seen, impacted in some way. Um, And sometimes there's just not that affirmation. And that's when we have to, you know, connect to the well within our heart of like, we're doing this for some reason. We're just the vessel. Yeah, we're just the vessel, you know, and I've, I've really, you know, that's kind of why I moved up to where I am right now is because, you know, I'm just on a path of like, where is my highest purpose? You know, like, if I, I'm really, like, if I just fully got out of my way and listened, you know, like, where am I meant to be? What am I supposed to do? And it's scary when you listen, because when you get an answer, you're like, shit, now I got it. <laughs> <laughs> now I got to follow that, you know? Um and I love what you said, uh, something about like, you know, my parents approval and stuff like this. And, you know, I think beyond, you know, I do really care about my parents approval. And that's so much of what I've worked through of my life and like the social pressure to have a job, you know, it's, I don't live a normal life. You know, I, I didn't just go to school, get the job, get married and have kids. And not that there's anything wrong with that. You know, it's not my personal path. And so sometimes it's hard to express to my family, like, what I'm doing and like, it's okay. I'm not like, you know, I'm, I'm really loving my life. I'm just not taking the normal trajectory. And in that, you know, it, it, there's a lot of, of pain and there's a lot of joy. And um, yeah, I think, you know, my lifestyle of living with the earth is really continually trying to deconstruct this social pressure of what we're supposed to be doing with our lives. Yeah. Because who is that voice coming from of what we're supposed to do? It's been a message that was passed down, a game of telephone that just, I don't, I'm like, who, wait. Who benefits from that? Yeah, exactly. And like, who said the first thing? Like, can we, (laughs) can we recheck what we just, you know, what's been passed down? So, yeah. Yeah. 
uh, like who benefits from those restrictions and that uh, illusion of safety? Mm. Because it really is an illusion. I can tell you like, okay, so I was doing my own lifestyle until I figured, okay, fine, fine. I'll get the house, I'll have babies, I'll get my... And years go by and you're like, oh shit, I kind of like the other lifestyle I had before. I love my babies, I love my partner and this life we've created, but I fell into this trap of this is safe, right? This is what you're supposed to do. And so when I see younger generations like you just doing it, I mean, even my daughter, who sometimes struggles with this whole thing, I'm like, no, 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 who benefits from you bogging you know, yourself down because of, oh, you're not having this regular job and house and babies. Like you said, if that's your journey, cool. But it's an illusion that that's the best way or that's the safe way. Mm-hmm. Because you'd be drowning in your own sorrow mm-hmm. um, when you're doing that just to create a sense of safety or to have the approval of society, your parents, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's beautiful that we get to choose and that you can follow your heart and be out in the land. And then I can see you and I'm like, I need to talk to Nikki because I need her to make me one of those houses <laughs> in my land that I'm going to get. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, yes. You know? Yeah. And it, it really, like, you know, I'm, I have worked through um, comparison most of my life. And mm. just, you know, I think, I don't want to speak for everyone, but I think it's just a really common thread in all of us, especially with this technological age, you know, Mm. we're all just comparing each other to like what we're doing. We want that lifestyle, you know, and, and I, I get into that all the time. I'm comparing myself to other people and, you know, I think it betters me in ways and also it tears me down in ways. And I've had, you know, over the last five years of this pretty radical lifestyle, I do get people who reach out to me and they're like, how do you do it? You know, like your life is so amazing, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it's hard to respond sometimes because, you know, the, the, in my bones, there's just so many medicine stories that bring tears, you know, like I feel the tears well up right now as I even just mm. think about it. Yeah. And it's, it's not easy, you know, like, it's it's definitely not a journey for the faint heart you know like it it looks beautiful and it is beautiful and it it, you know there's also some real struggles of trying to to um to live in our truth in this life it's just like sometimes it feels like we're going through the fucking mud yeah well i don't think it's supposed to be easy yeah it's not that's another lie it'll be easy no Mm -hmm. yeah we're here to work Mm -hmm. and play but you know Mm -hmm. um, do you want to share a medicine story Mm. yeah i'll share one there was um one night and you know this oh there's so many (laughs) (laughs) um Okay, I'll, I'll say this one first, actually. So I was, so my plan was to build a tiny house. I bought the doors, the windows, the trailer, all of the things. And I was living out of a camping tent at this point with all of my stuff in bins and whatever. And I actually flew my uncle out to help me build this tiny house. You know, for months I was planning it and he came out to help me build it. And as soon as he got out there, you know, he was like, 
this trailer is no good. You got a bad trailer. This guy welded mm. it. He's like, Nikki, you got it. He's like, we can't build on this. And, you know, that's another story. But so while I was gathering all the pieces and planning the tiny house, I was in my camping tent and um, I had gone for a trip somewhere and I had gotten back to my little abode and it, you know, the winters in Valley Center get cold. You know, a lot of people, it's Southern California and it's in the Valley. So at night, you know, it's freezing and, you know, there's, there's kind of flash flood vibes out there when it rains sometimes. And one night I got home and it was like such a long, it was traveling, flying, all this stuff. And I get home and I'm just so ready to just lay in my bed. And I unzip my my tent and there's just standing water in my tent and my all my stuff is floating. Everything that I have is floating in this water. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, and it's dark. So I get my flashlight out and then I go outside in my bins of, of clothes and the tarp had blown off the bins while I was gone. And all my bins of clothes were, it was just soaking in water. You know, it's just like everything was wet that I owned, you know, and it was middle of winter. There's not much sun. It was freaking cold. And, you know, and I had to spend the night sleeping in my car. And I think I had like a towel in my car that I wrapped around, you know, there's like so many moments like this that I've had in my life. Just like, what are you doing, Nikki? You know? <laughs> and, um, and it was so profound for me because it was such a journey of letting go of all material things. And this was like, within the first couple of months of my experience here. So it was such an initiation of like, you know, thinking that it's just easy peasy to move back to the land and spirits like, nah, girl, you're attached to your belongings. Like, look how much stuff you have, you know? And, and it really started this journey of like, what does all this material stuff mean? Why are we gathering all this stuff? Why do we lug it from place to place? You know, it's like, my, my mom is such an inspiration. She also has a lot of clothes and all this stuff, but she also has the same sweater that she wore for her eighth grade photos and her like, you know, she still has this stuff where I'm just like, you know, I really had to look at myself and it, it wasn't until all my shit got stirred up and soaked that I, you know, everything molded and it was just wild, but it really pushed me to get rid of all my stuff and just reevaluate my attachment to material stuff or relationship, you know? And I think that's the journey of, you know, what I'm cultivating right now as earth is healing. It's just, it's our relationship to the earth that we're healing our relationship to self and the relationship to earth that it's our relationship to everything that we have to look at. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, why do we need seven pairs of tennis shoes? Because yeah. we're not connecting to ourselves and to Earth. So there's, there's this void, and we're, we're thinking that this is how it goes. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, we're just creating more plastic and stuff to be maybe not able to be recycled. And yeah, it's a bigger issue than we think. It's not, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, filling that void, I love how you said that because... You know, there's another another night and it was just a, a glimpse of moment that I remember, but it was the full moon and I, I came outside of my tent. And at this point, I, I bought a bigger tent, made a platform for myself so I wouldn't relive the same experience. <laughs> but, you know, I came outside and I, it was there were so many nights just looking up at the stars crying, really. But in pure joy, like it was 
all really beautiful things, but challenging. And I remember just feeling myself touch the voids within me. And it was like, you know, we can, there's one thing of like acknowledging the fear that comes up and being like, okay, I hear you fear. I see you. I'm loving you. Right. But like, no, we got to freaking touch the fear. You have to sit in a dark room with that fear and just touch it and love on it, you know? And, and when you touch the places of void that you've been like filling with food or shopping or whatever it is, you know, like I still go through filling these voids, you know, we unconsciously do it. But when you sit in that void, it's the emptiest, darkest space in your body. And also the most liberating, freeing space where you get to feel we're just consciousness. Yeah. You know, it's it's like and if we can see the polarity of the emptiness, the scary darkness, and also see the liberation in that in that, you know, it's the work doesn't have to be so heavy. Yeah. It's like this nothingness. The nothingness and everything at the same time. Yeah. That's such a good I'm like, yes. I mean that's I mean I think I think if I if I understand what you're saying, I've had those moments when it's like you touch that void, you're befriending the fear, the mystery, the uncertainty, but also feeling the joy, and then it's like a breath of this space of, and it's not even that you feel like oh everything's gonna be okay. It's just like oh, this is what this is what it is. Like it's not. Sorry, a little pause there because we always have guests, dogs barking or you know, the kids next door or whatever. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. That's a, thank you for sharing that story. That's, that's where it's at. It's not that complicated. I mean, it is, but it's. Yeah, you know, and I think sometimes I'm, I'm just trying to sit in for the moment. Like if I was listening to this podcast and sometimes, you know, when I hear things, I'm just like, Oh, how do I, how do I touch that void? You know, like when I hear people talk about things, I'm like, how do I bring this into my life? Mm -hmm. And I think one thing that I just want to share is like, the void is always shifting and changing just because we touch the void and heal the void doesn't mean that it goes away. I really believe that, um, anything that we're trying to get rid of in our body, if we're trying to get rid of the fear, rid of the scarcity thought, whatever it is, that baby's gonna come back tenfold. You know, like it's it's about integrating the void. It's about integrating the fear. Right. And um, just because we touch the void or integrate the void, like there's always gonna be a new void, you know? And I, I feel that as I move to a new house, you know, I'm like, ooh, I don't have my friends. I don't have my routine. I don't have these certain comforts, you know? So I'm eating more, you know? And then I I, I become aware of like a new void within me. You know, and then there's part like shit. Now I got to go inside this void. Um, however, ever, the the fact of going through these experiences of touching the void, it's like there's an empowering piece of knowing that there's another side, you know. And when we even there's like tiny little moments of celebration that we've gone through a hard time. Screen just froze. Yeah, you froze a little bit. We're back. We're back, everybody. Are you back? Okay. okay. We're back. <laughs> so um, 
<laughs> so, um, yeah, touching this void and um, it's always changing and, and right now feeling a new void and there's, there's this empowerment since, you know, when you go through something challenging, it resiliency to me is really just um, the, the resources or embodiment to navigate challenge yeah. is resilient to me, yeah. you know, because we're forced to be like, what tools do I have to get through this? And we've all been through hard moments, whether, you know, small or big. We've all gotten through a hump that's like, whoo, that was gnarly, you know, and, and the next one that comes up, if we can just tap back into that, that moment of celebration, and I really encourage and invite everyone, when you have little moments of celebration, to like, breathe with that for just a minute, and like, let your whole body feel that, because when you let your whole body feel that, and drop an anchor right there, mm -hmm. like, that anchor point is where you can come back to, right, so like, when these new voids come up, I, I remember that anchor that I dropped two years ago and I'm like, oh yeah, shit. I went through a similar void and it was, the other side was so good, you know, and, and it's empowering. And, and I continue to want to go through these spaces yeah. within myself to grow. Yeah. Embracing the whole human experience, right? Not just. Yeah. Cause we're coming back to wholeness. Yes. Right? Like, isn't that yeah. what we're doing? It's coming back to wholeness. And like living in this wholesome world, you know, and, and yeah, if, if we want to come back to wholeness, we have to gather all the fragmented pieces of our soul and put the puzzle together Yeah, and make it whole. And having a lot of compassion for ourselves, you know, sometimes, man, it's hard, but you just bringing out that compassion. That's one of my biggest tools. Self-compassion, self-compassion, bring it on. The word compassion is my biggest, oh, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. The word compassion is one, is same for me, dude, is one of my biggest mantras. It's just every, anything that comes up, you know, and I, mantras is like, if you would ask me six years ago, I'd been like, yeah, that fluff. Okay. <laughs> you know, but as I, as I explore mantra, it's like just saying the word compassion over and over in my head when something's hard, when I'm, you know, listening to someone that it's just hard to listen to or be in that conversation. I'm still present. I'm just like compassion, compassion. And, and if we can repeat that word, that vibration starts to embody within us, whether we can feel it or not it energetically does a thing in our body. And the word compassion is just so profound. And we have to be able to offer ourselves compassion and other, you know, like it has to be there. Yeah. 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 Otherwise it's, yeah. Otherwise it, it, you know, it's too hard. I mean, it's hard as it is, but yeah, compassion is beautiful. The most beautiful mm -hmm. gift we can give to ourselves and others. Mm. So I'm just going to tell everyone we're cutting off here now because she is still up in the mountains, right, Nikki? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So what are you, where are you living at now? You're in this 140 Perfect. acre place. Dude, I just cannot make, this is one of those stories in my life that I just, I mean, it's so fresh right now, so I'm still basking in it, but it was such a deep leap of faith 
you know, I, I saw a post on Instagram of this tiny house and I follow a bunch of tiny house things because I'm into natural building and all this stuff. And so I clicked it and I was like, oh, I love the layout. I saved it. And I read the, the caption um, and I was like, oh, this lady is looking for someone to, to be a land caretaker. So I called this lady up and beautiful woman and her and I just really jived on the phone and connected and you know, moments later, I'm like, I think I'm going to drive up and check it out, you know, and I was so happy where I was at the retreat center doing natural building. I was like really um, in an environment where I could explore natural building more and do more projects. And um, yeah, I went and checked it out. Long story short, it was a full hell yes in my body, outdoor bathtub, outdoor shower that pretty much sold me. Yeah. And so, you know, the this property is 140 acres. It's an old herbal school and just a brilliant woman. And I think one thing that I noticed as soon as I landed there was a, a prayer that I was really asking for of guidance was just an elder in my life, like just an elder in my life to show me whatever and teach me whatever would be of my highest service right now and just leave that open. And, you know, the the land and the home and everything fit all the pieces. And I'm just realizing like... If we really ask for what we want, we have to be able to listen to the call, you know, and really like if we ask for it, are we if we if it lands in front of us tomorrow, can we say yes? You know, would we say yes? And, you know, it was one of those things that it just plopped right in front of me. And I was like, you know, and I was talking with the someone I was living with at that time. And I was like, dude, I don't know why I'm going there's no rationality. I don't, I don't have a lot of money saved up. I don't have a job up there. I know nobody within 10 hours, you know, it's like nothing logistic leads me here. And in that realization that no rational explanation was my fuck. Yes. Because everything in this world is so like logistical, rational, analyzed. And it's like the other side of that is like our Dharma, our purpose you know? And so, yeah, so I, I live in this tiny little house out in the woods, completely off grid. Um, I can't even use my Instapot without turning on the generator. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's, it's constantly, um, I love it too. And that's what I love about like living off grid or these alternate ways of living is it really challenges how often we keep the lights on, how many light bulbs do we have in our house? You know, it's like, the flushing toilets, you know, how much water are we wasting, you know, and like being on my moon cycle, being able to bleed on the earth, like these things that feel so primal, you know, and, and sometimes like animalistic, like sometimes I, I look at my life and I'm like, whoa, people would think that you are an animal, Nikki, you know, and also I'm like, isn't that what we're doing? Like coming back to our animalness, like animalistic wildness. Yeah. No, it's like, for me, those moments that I feel wild, it's such a teetering line of feeling crazy that that's my wild, you know, that what society has categorized as, am I going crazy or am I just rewilding myself? You know? Yeah. And the answer is rewilding. Rewilding. Myself. Returning. Yeah. Remembering. Remembering. Yeah. So big. So yeah, I guess I'm really just right now in my life, I'm really on a quest of living these alternative ways. And 
coming back, you know, I, my life, my life symbolic symbol, whatever is a pendulum. I swing from one side to the other, you know, mm-hmm. and I've lived kind of the radical alternative life for some time now. And not that I'm, you know, that will be my life. I feel like for a long time, but it's coming back to that center of like, how do I implement this into a modern society? You know, it's the same with my Ayurvedic studies, um, you know, Eastern medicine. I'm not native to where I'm learning this medicine healing modalities, you know? So it's, I'm a white privileged woman in the United States learning Eastern medicine and bringing it forth through my body as I can integrate it, you know, from what I know and, and what's around me. And I think that's the same with all my experiences of, of like alternative living is like, how can I bring this back to modern society or like to community? Because if I'm always just out in the woods off grid by myself, which is to be honest, really easy for me, mm-hmm. you know, where's the impact? You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm realizing more and more like remembering that, like, I'm here to live these experiences to bring them back, you know, and, 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 and integrate them. And I didn't think I was ready to be out in the wild again. So, so deeply, but, you know, I'm so humbled to have this experience, to be able to listen to nature and bring it bring it back to my friends community and family of what I learned and I I'm still learning how to do that you know like how to communicate what I learned you know it's the same as like someone asks you like oh what have you learned in your life it's like Ooh. how much time do you have you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it, yeah it's just remembering and learning how to um, you know t- receive my life as my offering yeah. and yeah, yeah. and like I don't need to grasp or learn anything outside of myself you know it's just living life and then sharing my life yeah so I've seen that you're like talking about sharing your life and making an impact um tell me tell us some of your offerings because I know I know I've seen I think you're going to be like a speaker in some type of big workshop or festival I'm not sure if you can tell us about that and where can our listeners find you to keep yeah totally so the one that's coming up is origins gathering which is in northern california which is an epic all women's gathering primitive skills ancestral skills like so so great um and you know my journey of my offering has been exploring mm, opening containers to talk about things that I've been reading and exploring within myself. And a lot of that has been like communication stuff, listening, you know, all these little bits and just opening up a container where I don't necessarily facilitate the space, but it's just like, hey, I've been exploring listening to others and myself for the past how long. I would love to share what I know so far, any tools that I picked up and then like hear from everyone else. And so right now, you know, especially living out in the woods, a lot of it's via Zoom and that kind of stuff. Um, But yeah, it's creating containers to talk about how we just perceive life, you know, and and using, realizing our bodies are are the vessel, you know, and, and one, the 
the workshop that I'm facilitating that I believe that you just saw is the title is Sensory Doors of Perception. Nice. And a big thing in area is connecting to our five senses, six senses really. Um, and that's how we see and perceive the world. You know, what we what comes through our ears and what comes through our eyes, we we take that in and perceive the world. And like how profound if we can actually dial in and look at, you know, what do our ears and our sense of hearing like break that down for a minute, you know, like how, how often throughout the day are you listening to something? How often through like how long throughout a day are you in silence? And just really breaking down these, these sensory puts like that, that feel so second nature, you know, to touch a soft pillow and feel comfort. It's like, what's happening when we touch something, you know, like what's happening when we hear something like, and how can we hear something and be so radically moved by what we hear that it completely shifts our entire life? You know, there, there's lessons and messages all around us that are just waiting for us to actually receive them, take them in with our senses and consciously follow that path of like, wow, this touch is moving me, you know, and, and explore that movement that comes from that. So yeah that I mean it's beautiful yeah it's constantly evolving I would say most of my work is just like earth-based through an Ayurvedic lens you know of eastern medicine um and yeah creating intimacy with the earth you know it, earth intimacy facilitation for me is is reconnecting like building relationship with the earth creating intimacy with the earth like how which I think for a lot of people even the word intimacy sometimes you know, I think people can be like, ooh, like, I don't want to talk about sex. You know, it's like, no, intimacy is, is like sharing a really like profound moment together. And, and like, just asking, you know, for everyone, like for myself and for you and the listeners of just like, how intimate can you be with your surroundings? Even if it is, you know, even if you're out in nature or inside your home, it's just like, how intimate can we be? You know, and in that intimacy is really listening and feeling and and it, it cultivates a sense of presence. Um, yeah. That's so profound. You know, we can all be in, we can be in a room with someone, but if we're both doing our own thing and not really cultivating intimacy, we're just kind of in this room with someone, right? And, and the same situation if we're in this room with someone, but we start having conversations and sit with them and listen to them and share with them and be witnessed intimacy is cultivated and both of us leave the experience profoundly changed. And I think that's so big with earth intimacy is it's not just about our evolution, you know, like I sit with the earth and with nature and, and I'm changed and moved. And also the earth has changed and moved from me sitting with the earth. You know, like I really do feel like the trees, when we sit with a tree, like that tree is like, oh, they see me. You know, like, yeah, yeah, like the earth is the same as our, our family, you know, like our parents, yeah. our, our sisters, our brothers, it's all the same. Well, we're all made of the same substance. And she's holding us here on this big, beautiful planet. We're flying in the middle of who knows where at a huge, <laughs> tremendous speed. Where the hell are we going? <laughs> pay attention. We got to pay attention, right? Grab onto her, connect, kiss her, bless her. Yeah. 
with this awareness that you talk about, it's so cool because it's, you know, some people might say, well, of course I hear, of course I listen, but are you with an awareness of really paying attention and then really seeing how that sinks in? I love that you said that sensory doors of perception. Mm-hmm. That's, that's yeah. the jam right there. Yeah. And I love what you just said too, is like, you know, like, yeah, listen, like, yeah, I'm moved by this, you know, but can we, can we follow that thread of being moved by something? Like if you look at a tree and you're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. It's like, we can leave that tree being like, wow, I'm so moved by this experience, you know, but even deeper. I'm, I, I got a lot of Scorpio in my chart. I'm like, let's go deeper. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, what's, what's underneath that being so moved like where in our body do we feel movement what inside of us was moved you know like really sitting with ourself you know and i think that is the practice of sitting with nature and the earth is is just an opportunity to sit with ourselves you know earth is my greatest teacher you know like i said like the plants and soil are is the education that i never had the teachers that i never had in school and earth is, you know, I don't, when I want to learn something, I just go sit outside, you know, and it, it seems silly. And sometimes I feel like I'm literally just throwing sticks around on the ground and looking at the sun. And other times I'm throwing sticks around and I'm like, oh, that is why life is that, you know, and it's, you know, life isn't always good and life isn't always bad. And we're not always like, receiving epic downloads and all these things and we're not always in dry spouts of like where are we going it's it's always shifting and changing and there has to be patience you know it's it's to be be here when it's good and be here when it's bad stay yeah stay please stay yeah and the earth is so faithful i I feel like like outside of my backyard we have a i have like this this big block where I grow a bunch of food, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just interesting because no matter what I throw in there, it grows. Um, I mean, I need to move stuff around and take care of it and move stuff from the compost, but I'm always like, wow, it grows and it grows and it grows. And on the other side of my patio, we poured out, we poured out some cement, some, you know, I kind of regret it now, I wish it was altered, but even through that concrete, there's little holes and there's plants coming up. Like she's not giving up. Earth keeps going, keeps giving. If we tend to it, if we touch it, if we listen. And, you know, sometimes my, my younger kids, they make fun of me like, oh, you and the human condition and this and that. I'm like, no, you don't understand how magical this is. And they will, they'll come out and they'll say, isn't that a trip? Like from one seed, from one seed we planted, there's like 50 peppers. And it's still going and going and going and going and open the pepper. And then there's all these other 50 seeds in there. It is tremendous. The amount of abundance just, I'm just like, it's like a worship of her, like a gratitude and honoring. And so for that, for that work that you're doing, it's like, Nikki, bless you, Nikki, keep on keeping on because it's beautiful. Mm. one quote that i'd love to share um you know i I did my permaculture design certification uh last year and my my teacher lucian um 
which and maybe you want to put this in your notes too, but about enforced sustainability.com is um, this dear brother and sister's offering for permaculture wisdom, like so beautiful. They just moved to Missouri. So they have courses and stuff there. And, um, you know, in my training, he said something that was so profound for me and it's just in my bones now. Um, he said, the earth is a source and a sink right? Like earth provides us everything that we need. And it also takes, like we flush everything down the toilet, down the sink, right? It's a source and a sink. Mm. We as humans are also a source and a sink, mm. right? We are a source of life. We are a source of information of wisdom and we are a sink, right? We eat stuff and, you know, we, we flush out our own waste. Yeah. And so if we can just realize like, the earth is a source in a sink and we are a source in a sink, you know, like we're the same in that. And like just constantly humbling ourselves of just, you know, what the earth provides and what the earth takes for us to, to be a source in a sink and to be, have this experience, you know, and, and, and I'm, I'm really cultivating a new awareness of my, my word choices, especially with everything crazy happening in the world today, you know, at times I've, I've heard people be like, what's wrong with this planet or, you know, whatever it is. And, and I just want to anchor really quick that nothing's wrong with the planet. You know, it, it's the greed of the humans. It's the human desire that has gone astray. Like the earth, this, this world, this planet is what's holding us down and keeping, you know, like that is, is, really providing us everything we need it's the human desire it's the human ignorance that has really left us astray you know and and um yeah how can we every single day just like cultivate an honoring and reverence for what this earth really provides us yeah. you know yeah. by working into that void and what what mm -hmm. are you trying to fill it with that's not gonna you know like really looking into that uh, is what I would recommend. Totally. Wow. You know, let's, with that sixth sense. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> um, totally. Yeah, to think, to think more than just right now, but long-term, what are we doing? So, so yeah. I'm definitely gonna write all of that stuff on here, on the link, the sustainability and the origins gatherings in your Instagram and everybody follow Nikki. And <laughs> no, really, thank you. I want to come visit you. Yes, um, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for sharing and for hopping on here and for what you're doing. Honestly, thank you for sharing your experience and what you're doing because I think it's important for us to be able to see and to touch that mm. and to hear the rawness and the difficulty of it and the beauty and the joy. Um, to know that there's all there's different ways of creating a life. Mm. Right? Yeah. Thank you for creating the space truly, because yeah, it's it's um like I mean, I don't even know how long we've been talking over an hour. It's you know, there's so many stories within this lifestyle that not everyone wants to hear and there's not always space created to share, mm. you know? And so it's also, as I feel like I have more and more to share as I go through my life, it's like, I'm also realizing everyone else has more and more to share as they evolve in their life. 
yeah. you know so i'm just so i'm so moved and inspired by your work of just creating these spaces for people to share and you know sharing it with the world like i think we all know podcasting is not for the money you know no one really does it for the money you know it's no, like no. it's a pure yeah it's just like a pure whatever your your draw is to do it you know but this is it we have to create spaces for each other to share and to be heard and like you know how reciprocal when we can be in this place yeah telling our stories is um it's so healing right it's like um there's one of those things i think like in the old medicine woman if you would go and say oh, i don't feel good i'm depressed or something's happening when there was four questions and I don't think I remember all four questions, but of course, one of them is when did you last dance? When did you stop dancing? When did you stop singing? And one of them is when did you stop sitting back listening to stories? So listening to stories is one of the things that heal us. And this is a recovering your life podcast. It's a healing place. So, you know, yeah, there's information and links and how do I do this and that, but it's really about space for for stories and for connection totally. yeah and really quickly because i know we're, we're wrapping up here no, um there's a book called narrative medicine okay. that i just love because you know i've i'm just finishing up my ayurvedic practitioner program and all this stuff and of course i'm looking at research numbers lab you know all the things and and really for me it's just been like the narrative is the medicine of the stories you know and, and this talks about indigenous cultures sharing stories of their life and that was the medicine you know like that was the the doctor was the stories you know and yeah and um really just wanting to cultivate that in my life of like learning from the stories and then sharing my stories for others to learn from and you know and and not going to what the research papers say all the time because you know that stuff is is funded and, and skewed to be a certain way. And there's just, it's hard, you know, when the heart speaks and shares a story there, you know, that's truth to me. And, you know, I, I feel this in you too. And I feel like this is why we got along so well um, is just we're truth seekers, you know? And, and I feel both of us are very outspoken humans who are not afraid <laughs> to, to say what we want to say and, you know, swear if we want to swear and stand up and yell and, you know, do the thing and like it, life takes courage. Like yeah. we, we have to be able to stand up, you know? And, and for me, it's like, like connecting with you. I remember that night so distinctly when we just like dropped in for hours and I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh, like, you know, following the thread of like our connection, you know? And I, I think we've only seen each other in person a few times, but it's like, there's so much similarity in the, the courage that we both are cultivating in our lives that's like follow that you know when someone's in your life and you you hear something that resonates you feel something in your body that resonates reach out tell them that they're empowering you tell them that you want to learn from them ask them you know like connect yeah. connect yeah, yeah. it's it's all there in the connection it really is yeah mm -hmm. oh i'm like getting goosebumps and shit this is so cool <laughs> It's just, this is like the juiciness of life, right? Seeing these things and just knowing that they work. They're this part is of, it. This is it. This is the medicina right here. Right? It is. It is. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
Uh, thanks everyone for joining. I'm sure we'll hear Nikki back here again soon. Uh, please <laughs> share this with your friends, people that are not your friends, everybody. Um, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining again on Tales of Recovery.